What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode Buying a Thousand Units at a Time with Georgia Brew. We are here to help you crush your goals. Hey guys, so we have an amazing guest on today that literally purchases a thousand units at a time. Um, He's based out of Dallas, Texas, and we think that you're really going to enjoy the podcast today. So, George, welcome on the show. Thank you, man. I'm excited to be on the show. Like I was just saying, I'm actually surprised I haven't been on it before, but I'm excited. Good stuff. Good stuff. I know that we all had an opportunity to meet in Denver over a year ago um, at the Best Ever Conference, so that was really cool. Um, What have you been up to lately that you're really excited about? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot's happened in the past year, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we, we met out there. Um, but, uh, you know, things are, this year is looking real good. Um, we've gotten off to a, a pretty hard, hot start and um, looking to, to continue that throughout the year. Um, you know, 2020 was a, a pretty slow for us uh, in a sense of new acquisitions. So, we're, we're kind of ready to turn it up. Definitely. So were you guys more focused on stabilizing what you had bought the prior year or was it more COVID related? Um, no, it was definitely more COVID related. I mean, we, we had some big goals for, for last year and, uh, you know, we do a lot of uh, heavy lifts and usually requires a, a bridge loan and um, COVID made that pretty difficult on the, on the lending side. So um, luckily, you know, it's, it's back now and, and, uh, we're back at it. So George, tell us, tell us about yourself. I mean, how did you get started in real estate? What were yeah, you doing before that, that or, or just jump right in or your family or what? Yeah, no. So I was, um, studying to be an engineer, electrical engineering is, um, what I got my degree in. But, uh, while I was doing that, I sort of already knew I didn't want to do it. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, knew, <laughs> I knew I wanted to start my own company. I just didn't know what at that time. Um, and man, I spent a lot of time in the, in the library because we didn't, not everything was online like it is now. Um, and uh, George is making himself sound a lot older than he really is. He's, he's a young guy. You guys <laughs> have to look him up on Instagram. Um, but no, I, I feel that you're a double E major, so I can imagine you probably lived in the library. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I kept uh, researching successful individuals. I knew I wanted to build a good amount of wealth and um, kept kind of leading back to real estate. At some point in these individuals' uh, careers, um, they either started in real estate or they just invested a ton of their, their money in real estate. So... I started digging into that. I got my real estate license, which I didn't have to, but I just thought maybe that was the path. I got my mortgage broker license, started doing some, some deals that way, and um, eventually got educated on how to buy and sell single family at that time. Um, started doing some wholesales, some fix and flips. Really enjoyed the fix and flips, but I started... Um, focusing more on that. And um, by that time I had, I had graduated and I was working at UPS in their engineering department. 
and finally got enough deals done where I felt like I was actually losing money by being there. So I quit my W-2, started doing real estate full-time. That was about 15 years ago. Um, then a couple years into that, decided to open my own construction company to help with the fix and flips and kind of scale. Um, I had ran into issues finding good contractors. So I decided to go ahead and bring it in-house. Um, then, so that was about 12 years ago. So then about four years ago, so what is that, six, eight? Between those eight years, I was just grinding and, and growing those two companies as much as I could, the construction and the investments. And um, so about four years ago, my family was starting to grow. So I got three, three little girls. Um, and I was just spread so thin. I had no time. I mean, I was literally just working day and night. Um, and I kind of just stepped back and I was like, man, this is not what I had pictured. You know, I, I've, I've had success and, um, you know, I, I make a, a decent living. I'm providing for my family, but this is, I'm not providing my time. Um, and that's what kind of made me start looking for, for something else. Um, and at the same time, I was working on a renovation for a multifamily syndicator and just started asking him questions about, you know, how he acquired the property and whatnot. And then he, he explained the syndication part to me. And, um, it was just like a light bulb, like, Oh my God, that's, this is what I need to do. You know, it's, um, I'm buying a hundred, a thousand units at a time. Um, yeah. and, uh, I just started. So one, I needed to, to learn, right. And, and gain that education and, um, definitely different from single family to, to multifamily. There was some, some things that kind of transferred over and, and whatnot, but, um, you know, the underwriting and just knowing all the data, um, that goes into yep. multifamily. Um, you're buying a business, right? You're not buying a house anymore. Um, so once I, I felt comfortable with that, then, you know, for a little bit, I was doing kind of both the single family and the multifamily. And I realized that it was still kind of spread thin and not giving it all to one or the other. So that's when I decided to cut single family off altogether. Yep. Stuck with the construction company because... I still very important piece of what I do and, and I leverage that when acquiring these properties. Um, but uh, yeah, that was maybe I think about three years ago when I decided to go hundred percent multifamily. And now I'm at about a little bit over 2,100 doors. We've got um, roughly like 500 or so right now under contract. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's how I got here. <laughs> George, what market was that? The uh, that deal, that syndication deal that you were learned about it. Was that Dallas or was that somewhere else? On how I found out about. Yeah, that, that first deal that you that that larger building that you found out and learned that that different style, that technique. Uh, it was in Dallas. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, do you still own? Yeah, that's a family? smaller multifamily. Go ahead. Yeah, all good. I was going to say, do you still own the single family portfolio that you had started with or, or where you at with that? 
No. Um, so mainly it was fix and flips. We did have some small multifamily and some rentals, but we, okay. when the market really started heating up, um, we sold all of that and I've just got one right now. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what was it like starting your construction company from scratch? What does that look like? I can imagine that must've been a tremendous grind. It was, man. It was, um, you know, there was a, a lot of trial and error. Um, but I had some experience. My, my, my uncle owns a construction company. I had worked for him uh, during college. Um, and I just felt like I knew there was a better way of doing it. You know, I, I had hired contractors. I had worked with a lot of contractors. And it just felt like they were all kind of winging it. And they weren't. <laughs> um, yeah, that. And they were just yeah, making that. up these numbers, and and um, so I knew there was a better way of doing it, and I just had to create those procedures and, and processes. So, yeah, it was definitely a grind, um, but um, long term, it was, it was worth it. Good stuff. I know recently, I think either on Instagram or Facebook, you put up a post. I think there was a, a fire at one of the, the larger properties that I think um, your general partner on. What, what's it like dealing with that and, and what's some of the level of coordination and um, kind of events that transpired to, to make sure that you keep the asset stable? Yeah, so this is a, a, a good story. So this is the second time in a row where we're going to um, purchase a property um, done our, our, our CapEx and um, stabilized the property and gotten it ready to refinance. And then we literally have a fire. <laughs> the second we're, we're ready to do that. Um, it happened the year before. So same thing with this one. Um, so I knew we, we had to act quick. And, you know, I think this is something that if you haven't gone through it before, you can really get stuck and make this process like a year long or, or more, or also lose out on some funds as well if you're not sure how to uh, deal with it. it it's yep. um, a lot going on with the insurance and, and, and the process. So first thing is insurance, right? So you have to remember that, the, that your insurance is a company and they want to make money. So... Um, you know, assuming that they're just going to come in and, and give you everything that you should get per your policy is not smart. <laughs> not going to happen. Absolutely. So it sounds uh, like, do you guys typically bring in a public adjuster um, on these types absolutely. of scenarios? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple that we work with um, that are really good at it. And um, that's one of the first calls we make, you know, is, is, is them, get them on board. Um, and then you, so that's one is the public adjuster. And then just, you've got to speed through it. Like you've got to push everybody involved to, that's to get you what you need. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the, the insurance will just take forever to cut you a check and to, especially if you're negotiating what the scope is. Um, and then, I always tell everybody, make sure you get um, rent loss in your policy. Yep, rent huge. loss is a huge component of the insurance policy. Yeah. 
so then that's something else you got to fight for. So, I mean, you know, right now it's, um, uh, they have a, they hired an accountant, uh, forensic accountants <laughs> to look at our, our leasing. And, um, so it's never easy. I mean, it, it could come to the point where engineers are involved. Um, on this one, we got lucky that um, we're able to work with their adjuster, right? The insurance company's adjuster and um, agree to a scope without having to get an engineer involved. But um, you got to know that it's going to be a battle and it's going to be worth it in the end. But um, at the same time, as far as uh, your residence, right? So, you know, this was eight, eight units, one building with eight units. We had to figure out what to do with those residents. You know, that was our main concern at first when I got the call at, I don't remember what time, two in the morning or something, but um, <laughs> it's always <laughs> in the middle of the night for sure. Um, right. So we were able to quickly get some units um, on board and um, get them into new units. So at the end of the day, we're going to have you know, eight newly renovated units. Our residents are still with us. And we'll end up getting more rent for those new eight units now. Um, but it could be a struggle if, if you don't maneuver through it correctly. Absolutely. So in, in my experience, the, the public adjuster in our area is going to cost us 10%, but they typically drive uh, the original proposal from the adjuster at the insurance company up by anywhere from 30 to 50%. Is that kind of similar to what you see as well? similar um you know once you build a relationship with with one you can possibly get some some better rates but um absolutely yeah yes yeah i know that our stuff is smaller scale so 10 percent at your level is probably a little bit different for eight units and potentially you know six well in a six-figure claim that totally makes sense totally makes sense um one of the things that I love about uh, your deals when I see them once in a while is the fact that because you have all that construction experience, you often are able to go after those heavier value ads, you know, compared to most people that I see out there. It's like some people just want the ones that, oh, my God, I don't want to put lipstick on the pig. You know, uh, they, they, they just want ones that are completely done to buy. You know, when it's pretty awesome that some of the deals that you offer, you know, you got it's it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, no, and we like those too, right? We you know we like the the day one cash flowing properties, um, but uh, for our investors that are looking for higher returns, you know, we do like to also offer the heavy lifts. And, so on those heavy lift properties, like what is, what does it look like in terms of the lifting that you're doing? Obviously you want to upgrade the property, but upgrade your tenant base as well. So what, did, what is some of like, maybe a quick, like three to five step process that you guys tackle on the way in? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, first things first is we secure the property. Usually, you know, it's very rare where you'll have, um, one of these properties where all the gates are functioning, um, all the fences are up and, and working and doing their job. Um, so we secure the property. We take care of the major deferred maintenance. Um, usually there's going to be lots of roof leaks and plumbing issues. So um, the existing residents feel 
like, okay, there's new ownership and um, we're not looking to relocate all of them, right? So we want to be able to keep right. the good ones. Um, and then we, we start doing our upgrades. Um, we start usually on the exterior, you'll start seeing the new paint go up, possibly rebranding if, if we're going to go that route. And then simultaneously, we're working on the interior units, um, getting them ready as well. Got it. Um, and then kind of just start getting rid of the bad apples and um, and flipping the units. George, on the, on the smart tech stuff, are you guys still doing key locks? Are you guys starting to do some other things? We're not doing too much on the smart stuff yet. Um, you know, for the, the C class, I, I think there's maybe space for, for the locks um, and maybe the, the thermostats, but uh, maybe like a C plus. Yeah, no, on, on a lot of the higher ends, on a lot of the A and B stuff, high B stuff, you're starting to see a lot of people pushing that. And I mean, most yeah. of my stuff is just is smaller multis. I mean, I have some syndication stuff, but my I'm more heavily focused on the smaller multis. So we haven't gone into that space too often. Just wondering if you're seeing it. No, I'm definitely seeing it. And, and with the construction company, we're, we're doing a lot of it too for some other clients that are in the, the B class, A class space. Um, same with the like the package rooms as well, um, but yeah, I mean it, it's definitely heading that way, absolutely. With the since you have basically two seven figure businesses, what percentage are you focusing on each one right now? You figure, you know, are you fifty fifty or what? Ah. You know they go. They go in spurts. Okay. They, they go so so hand in hand. Um, kind of difficult to, I, I guess I would say 50 50 um, but you know we're gonna so for instance let's say I'm working on acquiring a property right well our construction company is gonna come in and do the capex so it's like what am I working on you know it's it, it's kind of Good point. both um, and then I guess if I'm seeking clients working on something that's third party for the construction um, you know, that necessarily wouldn't do anything for the investments, but that's not true either because then I, I end up meeting a lot of other co-GPs and, and, and investors that way. I mean, it, it's happened. And then on their next deal, I'm partnering with them. So yeah, it works hand to hand. Well, oh, that's hand awesome hand. that it, it kind of it rotates and kind of through osmosis, you're working on both at the same time. Well, I was just thinking like uh, you live in Dallas and you have that. So, for example, I think you did a deal in South Dakota recently. Are you sending your crew up there to do the work or are you hiring people up there separately? We do a little bit of both. Um, we, so for any trades, you know, like a, a plumber, electrician, if you need a licensed um, tradesman, then it's going to have to be local. Um because they've got to be licensed there. States to specific, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to interior units, um, exterior cosmetic stuff, um, those things, I mean, we we bring them from – a lot of our crews are from Dallas or Houston. And then we'll either take a, a vacant unit and they'll stay there and do the work 
or they'll lease something. But um, yeah, it just it, it works a lot better that way. We found, you know, when, when our crews are traveling over there, they're there to work. They're not there to, right. to mess around. There's not going to be, uh, hey, the crew didn't show up today or something like that <laughs> yeah we've yeah. seen that get the job done yeah. right. jimmy wouldn't it be amazing to be big enough to have like a traveling crew you know yeah I, you know, i'm excited to get there so i've got i mean i've got a team of five or six guys now so it, it's honestly when you said you'd start your own construction company i feel that um having an in-house team helps you route your team to what you think is most important on a day-to-day -day basis and it helps you really maintain those project timelines so i think um owning a property management company doing something similar. Um, it, it's super important to be able to, to maintain the team. Yeah. It's all about control, right? You know, the, the, when you bring it in house, you have more control. Right. Um, not saying that you can't find good third party vendors. Um, you're just not gonna be able to control them as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. And building relationships with vendors, as you talk about, like going up to South Dakota and building relationships with plumbers and electricians and other trades that, um, that are more state specific. I mean, that's super important too. Right. Um, do you have any tips or tricks how you like enter the market and try and find those, the, the right vendors to work with? Yeah. Um, you know, number one is recommendations. You know, obviously you, you know another investor, um, definitely reach out to them and, and ask them who they've used in the past. Um, apartment associations is a good one as well. Um, you know, if, if they're, uh, what else do we use? And um, social media, maybe um, just, and then vetting them, you know, once you receive those recommendations, actually taking the time to, to check them online to, ask them the right questions. Um, actually have an ebook on exactly how to do this. Um, I love that. All oh, right, perfect. so, yeah. so send, us, send us the selfless plug right now. If somebody wants to read that ebook, where can they pick it up? Uh, they could either go on jntconstruct.com. So it's JNT. Well, you, JNT Construction or JNT Construct, either one will take you to the same website. Good stuff. Um, or they can email me too, is usually what I say. If they email me, I've got like an arsenal of, of um, free content. Um, awesome. My email is george, J-O-R-G-E at elevatecig.com. Awesome. So if you guys are interested in the free content, definitely feel free to reach out to George. Um, I know from following him on social media for a while he knows this stuff cold and then also just based on the level of his portfolio i mean you guys heard it here how he had a full-time or went through college at a full-time job and then built it on the side and, and now he does this stuff every day at a very high level so uh how many markets are you in right now george investing just a guess um uh, yeah that's a good question i mean including <laughs> the ones that i'm about to yeah, that's fine. About to close on. So, you know, we're, we're in, like you mentioned, South Dakota. About to close on one in Augusta, Georgia. Um, we've got uh, one in Lawton, Oklahoma. Another one in OKC that we're going to close on. So you figure about 10 markets? And then Dallas, Houston, Temple. Close to 10, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. You, I know how you said you brought in, you had the traveling crews when you're doing the um, the – 
the, the fix-ups. Are you doing in-house management? Are you hiring management companies that are local? Are you hiring like semi-national companies? What are you doing for, for property management? So most of our deals are, are third party. We've got a couple deals where we co-GP'd with someone that has in-house. Okay, um, cool. So in those, they're in-house, but uh, it's not third party. And then we don't, so with our construction company, we won't do any of the maintenance or any, like, well, I guess it depends. I was going to say no make readies, but then I have had situations where we're following, um, falling behind on the make readies yep. with the property managers. So then at that point, we would step in and you know kind of take it back up. Good stuff. All right, let's see. Questions that we ask every, uh, every person we've had on the show. Uh, first question, if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend? Better investor. I would recommend um, define what better investment, better investor means, create some goals, um, set some KPIs that lead you to those goals and then track them and get it done. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Next question. I think you're a book reader. So what is uh, one book you've read lately that you consider a must read? Lately. Um, um, sorry. That's okay. It really doesn't have to be lately. Uh, there you go. All good. Audible's fine. Uh, it's one with uh, about raising capital, actually. Um is it the bigger pockets one on raising capital or a different one? No, it's a, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, hold on. Sorry. That's okay. capital raising the five step Richard Wilson with the family office. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> a sneak peek. <laughs> That's okay. We'll check that one out. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I haven't read that one. I don't, Jimmy. I don't think you've read that one either. No, honestly, raising capital is the name of the game. Having constant access to capital when you're able to find deals, that's going to set you levels apart. Um, yeah, it's, so. it's very specific, and that's what I wanted because it's one of our, I don't want to say a bottleneck right now, but it's it's something that we've decided we, we want to focus on. One of our goals for this year is really taking it to the next level on the raising capital. Good stuff. Good there stuff. You go. So. Last question. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Where do you see your business in five and 10 years? <laughs> when I grow up, uh, <laughs> man, I want to, you know, I, investment wise, um, I want to have 10,000 plus units in house, um, under management, um, in house property management, as well as the construction and, maybe looking into other aspects of the business that I can bring in house. Um, and then kind of just overseeing it all, um, you know, not stepping away more and more from the day to day and, and just being that visionary and, and, um, and yeah, just continue to grow. I don't Good see stuff, you man. as someone at 80 years old, like sitting in the casino, smoking a cigar, just like doing nothing. I just don't see that. <laughs> I see uh, you being I, I a workaholic. Yeah. I definitely can't do nothing. But um, I, I, I wouldn't mind 
enjoying yourself. Yeah, freedom to be even more, you know, like. That's it. No, I hear that. So, George, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, like, what's the best way? I know that you dropped the link for your website, but is there an Instagram or or Facebook handle they can follow? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, apparently TikTok now too. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. I've, that I've only done one video. But, uh, good stuff. George, what's your handle on Instagram? Yeah, so George Multifamily, um, and it's Jorge. Spelled Jorge, you know, J-O-R-G-E at multi, um, George Multifamily. And that's on Instagram and TikTok as well. Good stuff. So guys, if you're listening in, if you want to give George a follow, J-O-R-G-E Multifamily on Instagram. We appreciate you turning into this episode of the Cashflow Kings. Um, in between episodes, if you want to check us out, we post daily content on Instagram under the handle The Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success. The Castle of Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice.